just about everybody I know has their own fishing story. A story of a big catch, for one that got away. And despite what Joe will tell you, I actually do catch fish occasionally. But I do have to remind her from time to time that it is called fishing and not catching. The problem for me is that I actually love to eat fish. It's probably my favourite source of protein. So when I go fishing, I feel the pressure to catch dinner. When we used to holiday in Bermagui, I loved to go down to the harbour when the fishing boats came in. I like to see what a real catch looked like. The fishermen on those boats, um, I don't think, were much different to those in Jesus' day. They seemed to be hard men, pretty rough around the edges, and pretty much no-nonsense sort of blokes. It's a tough job done by tough men and women. In the first century, successful fishermen, though, were patient, yet hard-working, and willing to endure hardship in the pursuit of a worthwhile reward. Fishing in Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee was usually done at night. It was strenuous, dark work of dropping long nets into the water, then hauling them back into the boat and unloading fish, and then repeating it all night. Well, that's exactly the night Peter had had, but without any reward. I know from experience, let me tell you, that there is nothing worse than having to clean your fishing gear without anything to show for it. If you add to the fact that fishing and the catch was the way they made a living, then a night of nothing would have been economically very disappointing. But into Peter's day comes Jesus and a crowd of people. We all know there's nothing worse than people getting in the road when you just want to clean up and go home. You're tired and disappointed. Around Capernaum, there's lots of bays that are rather deep banks that work as a natural amphitheatre. Jesus took advantage of these features more than once. And so, here, he commandeers one of Peter's boats and gets them to anchor in the shallows whilst he teaches the crowd. Well, you know the rest of the story. A huge catch, a quick call to the other, boat, the other boat for help, a battle to get the boats back into shore before they sink, and then this incredible scene of confrontation. But this morning, I want you to stop for a moment. I want you to stop and become Peter. Think about what your normal day was like. Day after day, the same routine. Fishing all night, coming to shore in the morning, dealing with the catch and then cleaning and checking the nets and the boat day after day after day. Then all of a sudden, Jesus appears in your world asking for your help with his work. Then, surprisingly, 
he asks you to do something in your line of work that seems to you to be pointless, a complete waste of time and effort. You're tired, but you do it grumbling under your breath, thinking that you're going to look like a complete goose when you pull the nets up and they're empty. Then suddenly there's resistance against your pulling. There's an increase in weight on the nets. The boat tips to one side with that weight. You call to the others for help. Success. Success on a scale you have never seen. What's going on? How did this happen? Just feel the sense of awe as you start to realise the power of the person you have in the boat with you. Then you feel the change of emotion from awe to terror as you turn and look. You look into, and he looks into your eyes. You want to look away, but you can't. What is he going to say next? But what comes next is more of a command rather than a request. From now on, you'll be catching people. You realise you have no choice. Or imagine being one of those people standing on the shoreline. You've heard something about this fellow Jesus. That's why you've come there. You know the fishermen. Everybody knows the fishermen. They're hard-working men. You see them coming and going in their boats every morning from their work at night. Big, strong men. Hands like shovels. From the shore, you watch as Jesus talks to them. You see them look at each other and shrug their shoulders. And the next minute, they're lowering their nets. And suddenly you hear the shouting and the other boats going to assist. You see Peter kneeling down in front of Jesus and they leave together. What's going through your mind? There are many people that aren't any different when it comes to their position when it comes to God's kingdom today. They have heard enough to know that something is going on. They see people's lives changed and it often puts a spotlight on themselves and their life. Jesus didn't want to and still doesn't want to leave anybody out. He's called to Peter and the others that they should now help him in catching fish. Sorry, catching people. There is a fundamental shift here in this reading from Luke that I really like. Luke's gospel is different to the others. Jesus doesn't say to them that they're going fishing for people. No, in Luke, it'll be, we'll go catching this is a really interesting word in the Greek. The word catching that Luke uses is an unusual word. It is only used one other time in the Bible, and that's in 2 Timothy. It has metaphorical overtones that are not so much about fishing, but, about, but of taking prisoners alive as opposed to killing them. But also, there is a sense of restoring 
someone who is under the threat of death. Peter and the, other, and the others are not simply going to fish for people, but they are going to be God's agents, restoring people to life. Peter's call came precisely in order that the good news would go out wider and wider, reaching as many as possible. Ultimately, there are no bystanders in the kingdom of God. Today we read Luke's gospel because Jesus kept his promise to Peter. People down through history have been caught by the story of Jesus despite Peter's initial reluctancy and failures. A reluctancy that we all, at times, share with Peter when we feel the call of Jesus. When Jesus calls, though, he certainly demands everything. Peter and the other disciples left everything behind to follow Jesus. As a great uh, German theologian, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, once said, when Jesus calls a person, he tells them to come and die. Of course, if you know anything about Bonhoeffer, you'll know that's exactly what, what eventually happened to him when he was hung by the Nazis for the resistance to Hitler. When Peter first meets Jesus, I'm not sure he realised what his destination might be. If Peter could have seen into his future, he may well have repeated his plea to Jesus that he leave him alone. But you know, that's not the way Jesus worked. It's not how God works. Peter clearly had a sense that life was going to change. Things were never going to be the same. That this Jesus in the world was going to change and that he was going to have to face new demands and challenges. Like I said, when Jesus called, he demands everything. He wants everything. He wants all of you. But only because he has already given everything himself and, he, and, ha, and has a plan in store for us, for you, for me, for the world. Jesus' plan doesn't wait until we think we are ready. The need for the gospel in this broken world is far too urgent. We are called right now, even despite our frailty, failures and doubts, even in the midst of our ordinary, busy, complicated lives. Jesus' words to Peter are exactly the same to us today. Don't be afraid. This is Jesus' work. And we have to trust that he will keep working with us and through us, catching others, catching others in the deep, wide net of God's love and mercy. Amen.